It's Sanity at the Movies, Fatherhood Edition. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another in our series where we have a special guest on to answer the question, what is one movie that every father should watch with his son? And today we had on Dr. Jared Moore. Jared is the author of The Pop Culture Parent, Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ with Ted Turnow and E. Stephen Burnett, and the pastor of Homestead's Baptist Church in Crossville, Tennessee. We had a really fun discussion with Jared. Well, I'll just, I'll let you get to it. All right, folks, we are here with Jared, and we are here to answer the question once again, what's one movie that every father should watch with his sons and why jared before we answer your question or answer the question that we brought you here for today just to lay a little groundwork what is your favorite movie of all time and why oh man favorite movie of all time this is gonna be an awful answer i i grew up watching the movie like to go to bed at night, the movie Predator, <laughs> which is not a movie that uh that would that I'd necessarily recommend, but it <laughs> I do think it, it is an excellent. It's very well done. There's language in it. There's violence in it. Sure. There's a clear, there's a clear good, a clear evil. <laughs> it was an bad. amazing movie to fall asleep by. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that just tells you about kind of my upbringing but you know we <clears throat> we had a lot of free too much freedom when we were growing up and participating in pop culture it was kind of that kind of that that time when folks pop culture coming on the scene and the ratings aren't really out there and tv's coming around and there's kind of a shift in culture on what's permitted and long story short i <clears throat> i went to bed watching predator every night mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> part of the reason why i'm is excellently done. You could be scared on TV. I always, always enjoyed the horror genre for that reason. And um, because there was a clear good and a clear evil, and there was a moral lesson <coughs> back then to the horror genre. Uh, not that there is necessarily today, but I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that was back when the military was viewed positively. There was something about <coughs> honor and value as far as serving your country. Um, you know, so that's really not emphasized today. It's kind of what, I mean, if you look at the advertisements today on military, it's, it's largely you can get your education. It's all about what the military can do for you versus you serving someone else. And But all that wasn't part of it back then. And also just the male emphasis, there's a clear distinction between male and female as far as combat. And But but I, I just, I largely liked the uh, man versus alien <laughs> and man winning honestly as a kid man that's what i that's what i enjoyed but i always always was always drawn to the horror genre i'm not sure why but well i, I wish i had some i wish i had some dignified answer for you but I no i i prefer an honest answer to a dignified <laughs> answer and let's not forget that arnold schwarzenegger impales a guy on a machete and then says stick around in that movie <laughs> which makes it pretty much no, the best movie the of all time is that command? No, I think that's Predator. In Predator, oh, he... I, I think Jared would know. I... Wait, you you got me second guessing now. 
It may be. It in Commando, be. he impales a guy on a pipe and says, blow off some steam. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember that. No, it is, it, is, it is in Predator. Yep, Nathan's right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Man, you, you want to... Jared, you, maybe you should fall asleep tonight watching Predator. Refresh yourself a little. I should. I just watched it the other day with my kids. I introduced the Predator the other day. And, which well, is so not good. <laughs> it's not, I would necessarily recommend, but I mean, there's so all... much about the horror genre, thriller genre that allows you to process a lot of things vicariously that you don't maybe wouldn't have the courage to process yourself. Maybe even especially as a kid, you know, the things that you're afraid of, the things that you're scared of, maybe things that are scary in your family. There's just a lot. Your own guilt and shame about things. There's a lot that can be processed through horror as you sort of uh, deal with things growing up that I think makes it really attractive to young young men especially. Oh, yeah. It, there, was a, there was one horror movie. My mother had Parkinson's. She actually passed away about five months ago. Oh, and um, there was a movie. I can't. The name is escaping me but it was a it was in the horror genre it was done in the past three years and uh she basically the director put a it was a horror movie about a mother who's kind of she's either got dementia or alzheimer's or some sort of neurological illness it's painted in such a way that the daughter gets caught in the closet and all of a sudden the house like she can't get out of the closet and and the house is like like this in, infinite maze that she can't get out of and I, I that probably sounds strange but what it is is she's she has gotten to her mother's mind and it, it's trying to show you what it's like living in a mind that where you're conscious of all that's happening like my mother could te- she she could tell us that basically her brain is being destroyed she knew it but yet, uh, but yet she, there were times when she couldn't get her words out. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, and just to have to think through <laughs> that, that movie helped me to think, helped me to love my mom more or helped me to love mm-hmm. her in a more caring, better way to try to think through what she's actually going through, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for some reason, I think that movie's called Relic, by the way. That's right. Yeah. But I, I think for some reason, it feels cheesy or corny to us when we try to make positive metaphors. It's hard for us to create a splashy metaphor for something good that doesn't fall vastly short of it. But it's relatively easy to be facile with dark metaphors to come up with metaphors for things that are bad. So the horror genre thrives as the most boldly metaphorical, you know, this is just about human predatory behavior, but it's vampires. This is just about dementia but it's in a haunted house kind of a scenario i certainly processed a lot of things that way i think i've by god's grace grown out of some of that i don't need what's bad about those some some of those movies as much in my life anymore i can't pretend like i didn't use them exactly the way jake was describing when i was a teenager especially yeah Hmm. well that i think leads us pretty well into um our discussion because you picked something of a horror movie, uh, I, I guess for a true af- horror aficionado, maybe a kind of vanilla horror movie, but maybe a good 
introduction horror movie for like the, you know, if you have a kid that's never seen one, you picked A Quiet Place. So why'd you pick this movie and what do you like about it for a father-son watch? I'm going to pick this because I I thought it was one of the best movies of the past five years that have come out as far as a a complementarian view of marriage and household clearly displayed in a Hollywood movie. I don't know if there's a better example. That's why I picked it. Also, with sons, um, it's helpful to show them that when you strip technology away, that this is it's really it's really easy to lay bare how men and women are designed by God with different roles and responsibilities. And this movie kind of strips away the technology, um, most of the technology, because it strips away the ability to produce sound. And most most equipment or most things in our household, um, they emit some sort of sound. And this movie shows that the husband is to provide and protect. He is clearly in that role. The wife is clearly nurturing and beautifying her household. And he's kind of protecting the family from the monsters that are outside. And she's kind of keeping the monstrous world outside of her home Mm -hmm. by beautifying it and nurturing her household. And you can use this movie to show what a husband's primary role is, how he's to provide for, protect, love his wife and his children, and then how even in taking the boy with him to do things, taking his son with him to do things, he's raising him to be like him, and the daughter is largely being raised to be like the mother, and she bucks against that some, but uh, that that's kind of normal for a teenager to to do. If the boy was older, he would be bucking his dad's authority you know or at least that would probably be displayed sure that that's why i picked it i I just thought it was a clear there's a divine order in this movie and it's clearly on display yeah i would agree with that 100 percent. i cannot think of a movie that's had a family this unironically traditional and godly i guess i have seen in the last few years i mean i'm trying to think this movie came out what uh 2000 18. But even if there is something even remotely patriarchal in, in a movie, it's going to be subverted in a thousand different ways, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to be highly coded against that. So it's like e- even when we talk about, uh, well, we had our discussion about how to train your dragon with M.A. Franklin uh, answering the same question. And we talked about what's the girl's name in that movie? Astrid. Um, Astrid. Astrid. That's right. Yeah. About how she plays the warrior chick who's sort of coded feminine, or she's coded masculine while taking on the feminine role in relation to to Hiccup later in the movie. You're just going to get that level of thing. That movie's from, what, 2010 or something like that? So mm-hmm. having something that's just sort of blatantly in your face, um, this is just a, a normal, healthy, God-ordered family dynamic is is really rare yeah well it's it's probably especially on display in how it argues the woman the female character is strong it emphasizes primarily her childbearing giving birth Mm -hmm. she is strong in a way the man is not and and vice versa 
in the better. yeah it was a really great choice an interesting choice that they made her pregnant and maybe maybe a little bit of a I mean, I think it's beautiful, but it's also, you could maybe argue that it's a little bit of a cop-out. If you heighten her vulnerability, you know, enough, then maybe it's a good enough excuse for John Krasinski to be a little bit more paternal. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I like that they did it. I like that they did it. I think there are things about the movie as a monster movie that I could maybe be a little snobby and pick apart the mythology and the components of the monsters and stuff like that. But the 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 scene where she does give birth is a really classic horror movie scene that that I really 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 like. So it's a nice genre moment that <laughs> just the idea of a world without sound and there's these monsters creeping around and she's doing the most humanly painful thing that you're supposed to scream and scream bloody murder while you do. Just a fantastic fantastic conceit for a suspense scene so i think as a just the mechanics of what it's doing with that are great but it does also allow them to tell this story and it doesn't feel like it's accidentally stumbling into telling a patriarchal story it feels like it's just kind of casually doing a real family and and wanting to do it obviously krasinski and uh, what's her face emily blunt are married in real life and are doing this as you have to imagine this is some kind of tribute to their own relationship so yeah i think it works nicely on that level and like i said as simple as the movie is i cannot think of anything else that has anything like this healthy family dynamic it's almost like you have to go to a b movie a genre exercise to get a healthy dynamic because if we're just telling a story about a family then we have to mix it up somehow we have to ask questions we have to invade the sanctity of the home in order to create the drama but here it's just like so it's like they're just they're distracting you with monsters so that they can display a healthy family dynamic right (laughs) well what kind of conversations would you have with the son coming out of this movie jared Um, mainly that that a husband's role in the marriage relationship is that everything kind of centers around is God's design of him as a man and particularly as a husband and a father. And so, I mean, him providing and protecting his family, part of the reason he's trying to help his daughter with her hearing is so that she won't be vulnerable to the dangers that are obviously lurking about. Mm -hmm. It's actually his provision for her that ends up saving the day. Mm -hmm. It it is her youth her utilizing what her father gave her and uh, she does figure it out and so she should be praised for that but she was in a position to succeed because she had good parents and i think that that is so important that fathers even the discipline that he was doing with his son with his daughter was for the purpose of providing and protecting him you know mm-hmm. he didn't, for their good, discipline for their good. And I just, I find it convicting, honestly, you know, because, you know, it's not flying off the handle. It's not losing your temper. It's not, you know, there's a self-righteousness that comes before you lose your temper rather than God has given me these children and given me this bride so that I can um, take care of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a a self righteousness and a self protection, a selfish, just a general selfishness all altogether. 
that comes before you lose your temper. I deserve, I have the right to. Mm-hmm. And so there's that self-righteous pride there and there's an entitlement and nothing to do whatsoever with uh, with laying yourself down to, to care for those that God has placed under your care and protection. Yeah, and it also provided a good opportunity. The daughter didn't feel like her dad loved her. Part of that was her blaming herself, and, and part of it was his, he was not doing a good job in showing that love towards her. He said he did not blame her, but yet his relationship with her was strained. Um, there was real distance there. Yeah, yeah, on, on both their parts. I think that's helpful too, right? Like, to, mm-hmm. Because I'm sure, you know, I've got a teenage son and a teenage daughter, and we we both need to, it's good to see a teenage, a teenager having, you know, a strain with a parent and being able to talk about that. And I think that that movie gives good fodder for that, to be able to have these discussions um, to where, you know, my kids, we tell each other, we love each other all the time. The oldest has stopped hugging us, but, <laughs> you know, he's 15, so. Evidently, you stop hugging when you're like 14, 13, if you're a boy. Uh-oh, my, uh, my, oldest, my oldest turns 15 on Monday, and so he hugging? I be, I, I, he's still hugging, so I got to be ready. I, I got three days left, three <laughs> or four days, days left. left. <laughs> Good. I don't know. He doesn't hug either one of us. I don't know, but he tells us, he initiates, like, I love you before he goes to bed, uh-huh. which is interesting. So my daughter's she reached a point where she thought she wasn't going to hug anymore. And we just encouraged her to hug anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's good to have the, have those conversations, have those examples. And, um, but it's the reminder to me is to, that my discipline needs to be for my children's good and not because my authority is, you know, offended or whatever. That's really great. I'm thinking as you talk, because I'm just wondering if we'll, we'll have listeners and they'll be like, you got all this out of A Quiet Place, the monster movie. Um, and I'm just remembering when I was 14 or so reading Dracula, which is not a great novel and has its problems and has its sexual debauchery. But I think that that novel helped me process the fact that there are predators, the fact that women needed to be protected, the fact that I as a job should or as a man should do that job and should uh, take some joy in that job. So I think these kinds of things can help us process these things in a, in a good and healthy way. Yeah, but with that, you have to have something there under the hood already. The yes. fact is, A Quiet Place didn't teach you those things. It illustrated things that you already understood from Scripture and from your own life and your own experience and your own dad. And it, it became a sort of uh, a living metaphor, illustration, way to process things that you've already understood by looking at what God's Word teaches and, and what you've seen modeled for you and in your own experience. And that's part of what we want to do when we come to a movie. It's how we engage anything like this with, with any level of discernment. And it's not that we take a horror movie and we baptize it, or Dracula and we baptize it and Say, oh look, because I because I have I'm operating out of a biblical framework. I can twist every everything I watch into my framework. But you you see the beauty in the way that God's design shines through, and it enables you to talk about it um, in fresh and fun and engaging ways with your kids. Yeah, the most uh, 
unbelievable thing about the movie is that there's no evil person in the movie. Hmm. That's the most fictitious thing. <laughs> um, there's only a few human beings, but in most apocalyptic movies, they're the danger is the evil people. Even in like zombie movies, the real danger is the people. Oh yeah, you always um, get away from the people and you get to the army enclave or whatever and you're like, yay, I'm safe. But then the real monster is man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's more realistic. And, you know, it can kind of point us to the, as good as mothers and fathers are, we ultimately need Christ to, they can't purify the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, they can, God has given them for the purpose um, to lead and direct and guide, but ultimately to guide us to Christ, who can actually purify the heart, who can actually transform us and uh, regenerate us and use us for God's glory. But, you know, that that's not in this movie either, but it provides an opportunity for us to point to, like, even best case scenario, we'll still, we still need Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any objections about this movie or warnings or caveats for anyone who hasn't seen it maybe not but just thought it's always worth asking well if if folks have problems with jump scares they may have a problem with this movie i i've spoken with uh, several folks at church people at church and it seems just in this is anecdotal but it seems that women have a usually have a harder time with horror the horror genre and i know several several women that they just they never watch a scary movie at all and um but several several once they found out i watched the quiet place with my kids there were several that like i watched it with my six-year-old um you know what once they understood that they watched it and enjoyed it but i would give that caveat that it, it is a horror movie for someone who watches horror all the time it's like you said it's vanilla but for someone who doesn't it it may jar them especially the that scene with the the baby and the mother giving birth, but also the when the monster comes down in the basement room. Yeah. Those are super intense, super intense scenes. And that that might give them pause. Um, I don't think there's any language. There is a little gore. Yeah. That's, that's, another, that's another reason why I like this movie is because even though I love the horror genre, I can't stand gore. I think it's, you know, it's kind of like a trash mouth comedian. You know, it takes skill to do the genre well without the trash. It takes skill to do comedy without the trash. It takes skill to do horror without the gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's easy to make somebody laugh yeah. by saying a bad word or telling a dirty joke. And it's hard harder to make people laugh uh, not going working blue. And I think it's easy to get a a jump out of an audience by lopping somebody's head off and it takes relatively more skill to actually build a scene or a movie that is suspenseful that is scary that gets under your skin but doesn't indulge in all that stuff so i think that those things are relatively rare and when they can be done like this with some wholesomeness and without all the junk it is something to to be low-key celebrated, I think. There's something else I was going to... Mm-hmm. Oh, this movie does also... This is a little bit of a spoiler, perhaps, but it does also begin with the death of a child, which might be triggering for some people, I suppose. It's a plot point for the story, but you do have to put up with... if you Like, my wife just won't watch anything where a child is in jeopardy, so she would never watch this movie, even if it would not be that much that bad for her beyond that one aspect. 
Um, mm-hmm. well, any other thoughts about this movie, Jared, or anything you want to say? You pointing out <clears throat> the death of that the child, the dad is running towards the danger. He's sprinting towards the danger. And I think that that's essential, that the men need to sprint towards the danger rather than running from it. And like I, my kids, Christian school, that's they tell all the male teachers to run towards the danger. And I think that there's a lot of biblical emphasis there. I mean, they've got policies in place, but, you know, it's not just run towards the danger. But every man knows that it's not like you're it's your responsibility, part of God making you man. You protect the women and the children. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. for myself, I always think I don't. You know, if a gunman was to walk into church or something, I, I don't, I'm not going to do kung fu. I'm not. I don't know what I can do. But the one thing I could do is train myself beforehand. Like you are running towards, not away. Mm-hmm. And even if that just means you're some valuable cannon fodder, while some other people get away, that's uh, right. better than anything else. I want to ask you about the pop culture parent before I let you go. Ben, you got any thoughts about A Quiet Place or any of this? No, not in particular. It's an enjoyable movie. I think we um, saw it together. Weren't we in the same pack? We did. We were. We theater? were. That was a fun. I love the the thing that I really love the horror genre in particular for if it's done well is seeing it with a crowd. I love it when everybody's like all quiet and you can hear a pin drop in the theater and when everybody screams and cheers and it's a very react audience comedy and horror are the two you get screams and you get laughs and that's fun to see with a crowd. So this was this movie played like gangbusters with a big crowd of people. So, Jared, you are the author, uh, along with a couple other gentlemen, of a book called The Pop Culture Parent. You want to give a quick plug for what that is? Yeah, sure. We wrote that book in hopes of training parents to train their children to be ambassadors for Christ. We live in a pop culture world. If your children aren't participating in it, their friends are. And it provides an opportunity for your children to engage their peers about, like, imagine your child talking about all that we just talked about about a quiet place right instead of abstaining saying we're not going to watch any horror movies you miss out on the opportunity to engage on all these awesome subjects that we just talked about now i'm not saying you should participate in evil or violate your conscience but if you participate in pop culture the way that the apostle paul did um in at the what the Apostle Paul did in Acts 17 concerning the the idol to the unknown God and how he engaged at the Areopagus. He wanted to, I mean, he actually quotes, quotes a pagan poet talking about Zeus, and he applies that truth to Yahweh uh, in that passage in Acts 17. 15, and I think so, you mean. What now? 15, I think. I'm not. No, yeah, right. 15's the council at Jerusalem. Oh, is it? That's right. My bad. That's okay. I missed the predator thing earlier. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Which one's more important? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, he takes something that a pagan says that is true, but he says it about an idol or a false god or a demon. And Paul says, no, this is true concerning the only God that exists. And so when we watch a movie where an atheist may be making the movie, but he lives in God's world and he can't help but live in God's world. 
And when he presents something that is true, we can take that truth and connect it to God and enjoy God through that, even though it's created by a pagan, so long as we enjoy it rightly. It's got to be in line with God's natural law or be in line with God's design. And we just hope to show parents how to how to live in this world and how to train up their children to live in this world, a pop culture world, and to do it for God's glory rather than totally abstaining or totally diving in. We are trying to present a more biblical, careful route that's kind of in the middle of those two extremes. We do five questions that we ask of every movie. We start with creation, fall, redemption, glorification. Like, what is the movie saying about these subjects? And Mm -hmm. then we ask five questions. What is the story? Where am I in the story? What's good, true, and beautiful? And then what's distorted, evil, and false, and idolatrous? And then how is the gospel better than what the idol promises? Cool. That's that's great. I thank you for your time today, Jared. Yeah, I appreciate y'all very much. And let me know if I can ever help or encourage y'all or anything. Y'all keep pressing forward. Thanks again to Dr. Jared Moore. You can follow him at Jared H. Moore on Twitter. And of course, you can support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. Leave us a nice review on your favorite podcast app and do all the things. We could very much use your support. And so that's patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. Until next time. I'm just being silent because that's that's the movie is silence so be silent it's hilarious <laughs>